morning. Happy Easter. It's an incredible privilege to be proclaiming the good news of Jesus today. The very first evangelists are the ones that we meet here in this passage. The first people to get to utter the greatest news the world has ever known and ever will know we meet in this passage. It's Mary Magdalene, it's Mary, it's Salome. These, these three women uh, come away from this tomb and from this garden where Jesus was buried, being the bearers of the greatest reality ever known. And we're heirs to the good news that they proclaimed. But they didn't come to the garden uh, expecting that. They didn't come to the tomb uh, hoping to see all things made right that morning. They came expecting death. Their question was, who's going to roll away the stone at the entrance of the tomb? Even when they're there, they're looking for Jesus as a body. They're not looking for Jesus as the source of life. They even came a little nobly, coming to prepare Jesus' body for the long ride of decay into the grave for all time to come. They came with spices. They were going to prepare him for this, for this physical journey that his body would undertake. They were there to remember, to give honor to the life that he lived. They were going to pretty it up. They were going to preserve the memory that they, that they shared with him. They were going to honor the impact that he had on their lives, but that impact that was now over. I'm, I'm pretty familiar with that sense even that purpose that I think that they find themselves in that day. These, these ladies I can identify with trying to make the most out of something broken, something lost, something taken away too soon, that, that sense of longing, uh, that sense of attempting to pay respect, to pay memory, to walk out the traditions, the path before us. I don't know how you're coming in to Easter this time, but I know often we expect and we're trembling and we're in fear about the death that could come, about the ending of things. We don't walk through life expecting resurrection. We don't expect the resurrection within our souls, within our marriages, within our cities within our country, we expect things to die. But this messenger of light that appears, he tells them and he tells us what we're all truly longing for in any of those moments. He says, you're looking for Jesus. He doesn't say, you're looking for the body of Jesus. He says, no, the thing that you're grasping for and longing for, it's Jesus. 
It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul tells the Athenians when he's actually giving this wonderful lecture on the resurrection. And he says that all humans everywhere are clinging and grasping and reaching out to God in hopes that they will find him. But really, and this is what Paul says, he's already made himself known and he's entered this world. And this is what this messenger of light tells these three incredible women. He says, you're looking for Jesus. You're looking for him. I think it, this statement plays into the reality that we all are in just deep need of a Savior who has conquered death. That's really an understatement. We are not in need of therapy, self-esteem boosts. We're not in need of uh, technological advances or better ways to, to structure the world. All of those things are really important and good, but beneath it all is this groaning and this longing that can only be satisfied in Jesus himself. We're all ser searching for a hope that can only be found in a risen Savior. And so when this, when this man in this tomb declares to these women, you're looking for Jesus, but he has risen, we hear in that moment the great news. That the world is different and the thing that we've longed for and looked for is now here. That no longer do we have to expect death, but in fact we should expect life. No longer should we expect destruction and decay, but we should ultimately expect an incredibly new world in which life reigns. Goodness, mercy, Kindness, love, compassion reigns. Sin and death and evil has had its day and it is now being put back. Jesus' resurrection from the, from the dead defies all expectations that we have for the way things work. He breaks the human cycle of destruction, and he also breaks the human cycle of the cost of that destruction. His, his resurrection is the victory over death, punching a hole through the back of the grave once and for all. He is alive. See, this whole time we've been reading Mark, we haven't been reading the story of a person who lived long ago. We haven't been conceiving of this man who taught us wonderful things. What we've been doing is reading about a person who is very much alive. Who not only defeated death, but ushered in a parade in the riches human existence, a vibrant humanity, the firstborn, the first fruits 
of a whole new creation that isn't marred and destroyed by death, but is in fact, simply put, life with God, life with humans, life as it was always intended. That is what happened on that Easter morning. And that's what we celebrate now. That's ultimately the news that these women shared with others. There's so much to be said about the reality of resurrection. It's the turning point of history. Everything before is bent on death and decay and destruction. It seems inevitable that the world will implode from the inside out, but everything after resurrection is bent and curved towards this hope of a full human life. Jesus is the one we've been looking for. The one that we've been searching for to save us, to keep us, to restore us. He's the one that we've been looking to and looking for that will make the world right. He's alive and death couldn't hold him. It's such good news. This is Christianity. But it's so, it's so phenomenal might even say bizarre, that it leaves us and it left them trembling. It shakes life as you know it. And while the death of Jesus' disciples left them hiding and trying to figure out, man, what are we supposed to do with the rest of our lives? We kind of thought this guy was going to be king. It, it kind of left them searching for uh, some answers on their future of life. The resurrection of Jesus, though, shook the very foundations of all life. Mark, I think, intentionally leaves his gospel just sort of hanging there with this bewilderment and fear and astonishment because he's trying to drive home the point that what happens on Easter is a seismic shift in all of our worlds and we've all been shaken by it. A resurrected savior puts us in a world that we don't know what to make of. And I don't know what their questions were. I don't know what Mary thought or Salome thought or Mary Magdalene, I don't know what, what what was, what was shaking them. But I know what shook me when I first understood that this wasn't just a nice story, but that this really happened. When I was confronted with the fact that Jesus is alive, the questions that shook me were, who am I now? What is life about now? What am I supposed to do now? Who am I now? Who are you now after this resurrection reality? You're someone who's been raised into the depths of a relationship with God. I'm just going to say it again. You are someone who's been raised into the depths of a relationship with God. 
Jesus raises us up out of the grave to be with God. Simply put, you're someone united to God. That's who you are. Restored in Christ to the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who before the foundations of the world set his sights on blessing you abundantly and over, uh, abundantly through this act of love in the resurrection. You're someone who's been raised by the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And you've been ushered into a new family to enjoy the love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Who are, who are you now? You're a human brought back to life who was spiritually dead but now been raised to grace and mercy. A beautiful masterpiece now. You were once spiritually dead but now you've become spiritually alive, alert to the beauty and the glory and the grace of God. You're a new human in a new world. That's who you are now. And that's pretty crazy. It's pretty trembling. Christopher Wright says, When a person puts their faith and hope in the crucified and risen Savior, nothing can rob them of the new creation life of which Christ is the firstborn and firstfruits. It says nothing can rob you from the new creation life. He goes on to say only the gospel offers the finality of that hope and the certainty of that future. Only the gospel offers and proclaims the promise of a new humanity to those who, whose present humanity has been shattered and shredded. Only the gospel offers the promise of a new humanity to people who are shredded up and shattered in this world. Look, if you have not received that blessing, you can stop trying to make a life for yourself. And you can begin asking God to give you the life that he made you for in Jesus. And the exchange of your life that you're pursuing and the life of God is an exchange from your way of living to God's way of living. And that's called repentance. And you make this exchange because you have this faith that Jesus is the one you've been looking for. So if you've not received the gospel, this gospel of certain and final hope. This question, who am I? You might want to answer as I'm someone who, who wants to believe that. This, is, this whole thing you might be curious about. Everything I've said so far about who you are is all in theological, wonderful terms. But we can also look to the beginning of Mark in chapter 1 and 2, and you can get a pretty good picture of what kind of resurrected life looks like. You'll find it laid out well. Maybe you can read later on today, but, but I just have a summary of what has happened to you 
Because the Jesus we're looking for is raised. You were isolated, now you're included. You were a captive, and now you're free. You were sick, and now you're healed. You were a sinner, and now you're forgiven. You had a career, but now you have a savior. You were dirty, but now you're clean. You were hungry, but now you're full. You were thirsty, but now you're satisfied. You were defenseless, but now you're victorious. You were in need, and now you are certain that you are loved. That's who you are now. That's who you will be forevermore. That's what Easter does to you through Jesus. The other mystifying question is, what is life about now? What is my life supposed to be about now? One of the encouraging things that I hear this angel declare to them is, Jesus is going ahead of you. It's in verse 7. He says, he is going ahead of you. Life that we live now in the future, it's filled with crises and chaos. There's more things to lament and mourn coming in our lives. There's a burden of, of financial stress and wondering and expecting a life filled with more relational tension and drama and pain. He is going ahead of you. He's gone through the depths of, of death. He's gone ahead of you. Jesus rose from the dead. We have nothing to fear and we have everything we need for the biggest trials of life. Everything that we've ever uh, been striving for, it's fulfilled in Jesus because he's gone ahead of us. Everything that we could hope for and long for and everything we might try to get out of this life, it's already been fulfilled in Jesus. Everything that we could want to pursue and dedicate our lives to, he's gone ahead of us and he's attained it. He's the firstborn from the dead. All that we've tried to avoid in life has been resolved and restored by him. And now life, what is life all about? Through the ups and downs of it. Life is now this constant attentiveness to the way of Jesus and walking after him following him in everything that we are and everything that we do. It's an attentiveness like you might have watched your father uh, do gardening work as a kid. Or the attentiveness that you watch someone that you admire uh, paint a painting or play a song. Where you're watching everything that they do and all of their movements, delighting and observing that one before you. 
What is life all about now? It's looking to the one who has gone before us and is the firstborn of all creation. And it's an attentiveness to his whole being. A watching, an observing, a following with everything we are and everything that we do. The Apostle Paul summarized the aim of this life this way. He says that I may know him. What's the purpose of all life? The Apostle Paul says that I may know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and that I may share in his suffering, becoming like him even in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul puts his whole life in trying to lean into the reality that Jesus is alive and is knowable. What is life about now? It's that you may know him. The last question that I had when I was shook by the resurrection is, what am I supposed to do now? I understand life's about knowing him. I understand life is about being raised into a relationship with him. But what am I supposed to do now? The resurrection reunites us with God's plan to fill the world with his glory. The resurrection reunites us with God's plan to fill the world with his glory. The angel tells these these first evangelists, he says, go and tell the others. The resurrection sends us back into all the relationships and all the, the, the vocations that we have and all the spheres of influence and all the government jobs and hospitals and schools. It sends us all back there. But now, reunited to the, the mission that we always had since the very beginning, which was to make God's glory known to fill the world with knowledge of him, to see the whole of creation restored and brought back into peace and thriving. What's your life about now? Go and tell people that Jesus rose from the dead and has secured a future, which is the creation being free from the destruction of death and evil. It's humanity being brought into their true identity as sons and daughters of God. It's to go and to proclaim that and to embody it with the rest of our lives. The resurrection sends us out on the mission of pursuing a healing of every broken thing and the mission of pursuing humanity to receive this incredible news. What am I supposed to do? Go and tell. Go and live this hope. What is my life about? Walking in the way of Jesus. Who am I? A person certain that I am loved by the creator of the universe. I'm someone who's been raised into a certain life with God.
Let's pray. Jesus, we come to celebrate you today. That we would do so for, with the rest of our time today. Just bask and rest in this peace. God, I pray for us to believe. Fill us with hope. Fill us with faith. Fill us with an ability to go and be people. Living this out. Thank you for the privilege of standing in the heritage of these first people who saw the empty tomb and that we get to proclaim it even now. Thank you, Jesus.